Hey, Girls Gone Wild family, it's Joy here. This is episode 274, and this week on the show, we have Laura Ligos, the sassy dietitian. We've been friends with Laura for a very long time in the blogging world, and we see her at the games, and we see her at events here and there. We actually haven't seen her in a long time. Laura, please come visit us. Anyway, we had a really good conversation with her because we noticed that almost every week we're referencing something that she's posted. She's a real doctor, aka registered dietitian. For those of you who are new to the podcast, just please know that we really do understand the difference between a registered dietitian and a real doctor. (laughs) Okay, we had a really wonderful time with Laura and uh, answered a ton of questions. We're going to have to have her back again because we had really good questions from you guys. Thank you for taking the time to submit your questions. You can support the podcast by leaving an iTunes review and subscribing, especially if you're new to the podcast. Please know there are a lot of female podcasts out there, but not as many as the guys. So we need some support and your votes do count. Thank you for listening. Here's the episode with Laura Lagos. Okay, so first of all, welcome back, Laura, because we've been talking on social media for like years and years and years, and then we met you at the games um, when you're working for Inside Tracker. Um, and then every single time I've been seeing wacky stuff on social media about diet and exercise, I'm like, wait a minute, what would Laura say? What would Laura <laughs> say? And like lately I've been quoting you so much on our podcast. I'm like, Laura, just come back on. We have so many questions. <laughs> there's so much stuff. And there's a part of me that's like, do I really want to talk about food and exercise again? But I think we need to just keep pushing the BS aside and making sure that people have the right information. So thank you for uh, joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I gotta say, I feel like a mini celeb when I'm like, you know, doing the dishes or going for a walk and they're like, Laura Lagos. I'm like, that's me. Wait a minute. Um, Wait a minute. I know her. I know her. (laughs) I know. I'm like, that's me. Um, Yeah, total BS everywhere. So So, thanks for having me and I hope we can debunk some of it today. For sure. So really quick, you were on episode 171 and 179. Um, you are a registered dietitian slash real doctor that we like to say, which you guys, <laughs> if you've listened to us long enough, you know that we really know it doesn't mean re- real doctor. <laughs> um, and then I was reading your bio again because I was like, I just want to refresh. I'm like, you have your MBA? How did I not know you have your MBA too? Yeah, fun fact. I actually, it's the only program that I know of in the U.S. that does a combo program with an MBA and your internship to become a dietitian. That is so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I didn't want to go your standard route. I didn't do very well in the hospital. It just wasn't my jam. So I come from an entrepreneurial background, so it was just like right up my alley. Yeah. And then um, you are also a CrossFit Level 2 trainer, so you've got a lot of knowledge. Yeah, I think the more you learn, though, the more you realize how much you don't know. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. Yeah. So um, is there anything kind of... We're going to hit the ground running with a lot of the questions we got today. So thank you, everyone, who submitted a question to the registered dietitian. I'm not going to say real doctor, even though I really want to. Um, (laughs) uh, And we may have to have a part two and three or just kind of keep bringing you back because so many questions. I was like texting Laura all day today. I'm like, okay, these and these. And oh, I like this one, too. And wait, I have a question. So um, (laughs) is there anything kind of like right off the bat that's uh, like a debunking, I don't know, issue that you see in social media right now? Because it seems to be just getting worse. Oh, my God. Um, I don't even know where to start. But since it's one that's like I recently wrote about and I've it just boils my blood is the whole macro thing, which I know you guys have talked about ad nauseum. But it's just one of those things where I went off on a complete tangent one day because I heard somebody um, close, someone close to me knew a friend who was told to eat 900 calories a day. And I literally just lost it. And I was like, this has gone too far. We have too many people who, you know, they, they get fit or healthy and they think that they can also help someone get fit and healthy by, you know, Googling what a macro is, plugging information into a calculator, and then just handing numbers to somebody. And it just, it blew my mind that someone was told to eat 900 calories, who was an active human being. And I just, I felt like their quote unquote macro coach did them such a disservice because not only are they going to be hungry and miserable, miserable in the short term, their hormones were just completely wrecked and ruined and good luck ever losing weight again. You're basically, next time you eat, you're going to gain weight and then your hormones and your entire metabolic system is just 
going to be broken. So, you know, something that I kind of touched on was, you know, there's a reason that dietitians are who they are and have gotten to where they've gotten to. And it's because we have an entire background of biochemistry and microbiology and chemistry and physiology and anatomy. And so it's not, while certainly there are a few maybe bad is a strong word, but not great dietitians out there. There's bad mechanics. There's bad doctors. Oh, there's bad yeah. hairdressers. Exa- there's bad yeah. dentists. Bad you could go on and yeah. on. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so it's just sad to me that because, you know, the, the AND, which is like the governing body of the Dietetic Association, mm-hmm. because they for so long had promoted the food pyramid and they were backed by Pepsi and General Mills and everyone, because everyone just believed that that was the only way the dietitians were being educated, they just said, oh, pff, we don't need them. We can figure out our own macros. And to be honest, we're the macro experts. We had whole entire classes on macronutrients. And I mean, the first time I heard macro coach, I honestly had to go Google it, which sounds so silly, but I was like, what does this entail? You know, like what makes someone a macro coach? And then I looked it up and I was like, I mean, I'm a macro coach, but like, there's so much more to just giving someone macronutrients. There's so, so, so much more. So if someone is just handing you numbers and you don't feel strongly about them, you don't feel like it's helping you get to your goals, please go help someone else. It's, or go, don't help someone else. Go yeah. ask someone else go who ask. is an expert. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just like it, it, that I was okay with the whole macro scene for a while because I think it had good intentions of teaching people portion control. But when I heard 900 calories, I, I just became irate and I don't get angry. I honestly, you can ask most of my friends, like me getting angry. Yeah, like, you don't seem like an angry person, Laura. I'm, I'm not, I'm not generally angry. I'm <laughs> well, sassy, by that, I mean, like, I'm you're not. not posting. I mean, I know you call yourself the sassy dietitian because you're like, you tend to go against the grain of what everyone else is saying, but in a very smart way, I should add, it's not like you're just being this rebel and throwing out crazy information. You're just being very smart about the information you put out, which doesn't always line up with like the quote unquote fad diets. And so, yeah, I just, I mean, you, you don't seem like you're this spouting off uh, fly by the seat of your pants person with the content you put out, but I can see how something like that, where you're like, I've had it. I did. I honestly was just like, I looked at my friend and I was like, you need to tell your friend to seek other advice or to leave. It was a certain gym. It wasn't even a CrossFit gym, but it was like a local gym in the area. And I, and I've heard things about this local gym, um, about the, you know, these, all the trainers become macro coaches. And I also, after that, more people have been sending me stuff. And I saw someone was given a weekly breakdown and one of their days was 640 some calories. And I literally was like, I sent it to my friend who works in an eating disorder facility in the area. And I was like, you need to do something about this because I know these clients are coming to you and I'm going to do my best to do something about it as well. Because it just, I don't like 640 calories. I'm like, I don't even, I eat that for breakfast. And like, I know that people say that as a joke, but I'm like, literally, literally, yeah, that's how much I can eat in a breakfast. Like 100%. So as yeah. you can see, this this is like the one thing that's lately been boiling my well, blood. Well, let a me lot. just <laughs> let me just spout off really quick. <laughs> Try not to make this a whole episode, but um, the the thing that still makes me so mad is I knew nothing about ma- I, I remember Claire saying the word macros. I think it was on a Chrissy Mae Cagney episode when we first interviewed her, Claire. And I remember being like, "What the well, hell is that?" Like I didn't even know like, what that I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know yeah, what it meant. She was. Well, and she was one of the first people who really started, like, made macros go public. But there was also – she was also calling herself a registered dietitian for a little while. I, I don't think she had any idea what that meant. And then the second that somebody was like, um, I contacted the board of whatever, and, like, they don't have any record of you. And she was like, oh, you don't just call yourself a registered dietitian. <laughs> you have to, like, go to school for years and years. <laughs> oh, but I think that that, like, Laura, like what you were saying a minute ago about, you know, dietitians kind of have this bad rap. It's almost like how traditional physicians have a bad rap. It's like, well, you For know, sure. people have gotten to the point where they're like, you know, well, you're just going to give me a prescription. Like if, if I go to a physician, he, he's just going to give me a prescription and send me out the door and not even address my problem. Like that's kind of the the, mental, the thought that I had behind dietitians where I was like, well, I'm not going to go to a dietitian. They're just going to like tell me to go, you know, like. I've had appointments with dietitians before where they've been like, well, you know, you want to eat your low fat yogurt and your whole grains, like very 
like you said, kind of the food pyramid. But just like anything, you can find a doctor who knows what the hell they're talking about. You can find a dietitian who knows what the hell they're talking about way more than you can find somebody who's like, here's your, yeah, 600 macro yeah. calories. And like, oh, I Googled the definition of macros and then gave these two. Totally. But yeah, Joy, that was, she really was like kind of the, one of the first people who was like, oh, these are what macros are and you should count yeah, them. Yeah, and I just didn't know what it was. And I, um, whatever, it is what it is, but there's a part of me, it's like, man, social media. Huh. I, 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 I almost wish I was just ignorant to all this because I was fine. <laughs> I was like happy. I was doing my thing. And I was just like, oh, this whole macro kind of thing. Sure. Okay, we should try it. And so I think we can talk a little bit about that because I don't think it's all evil. And I think people find a lot of totally. value in it. And then, you know, there's never like one answer for everyone but I think I just wanted to like put that out there too of like man social media just puts you it's like you I would have been fine being blissfully ignorant about this stuff but now totally. that it's in the forefront you kind of you can't help but compare yourself to everyone else like what everyone else is doing and like well maybe I'll feel better doing this so anyway so I think just going off of that really quick is someone really did ask a question of just like how do you feel about macro counting so this, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm sure last time I said this, a lot of times I'll just say it depends. Yeah. And it really honestly does. And that's where a practitioner comes into play because I don't just look at you as one dimensional. I look at you as the entire client patient, like what else is going on? You know, like I have clients who counting macros for them is exactly what they need. It holds them accountable. It keeps them on track and it does not become obsessive. And it is truly just like they love the idea of tracking what they're eating. They love seeing what they're eating and they love having that accountability like, hey, Laura, can you go in and check this for me? Sure. Like that. Um, it's probably not the majority though, yeah. but there is, there is a person, there is a type of person who really benefits from it. Um, there's also people who benefit from it in the short term. So when I work with a client, like having them do it for a week or two so that I can see what they're eating and then they can also see what they're eating. Um, and you know, for a lot of people, like I'll tell them, do it for four weeks out of the entire year. Like every quarter, do it for a week, check in, see if you're around where you need to be and then get off the app and live your life. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think a lot of that's also working with someone when you're doing it because it can be really, it can become obsessive fast. And if someone's not there to catch it, um, I think it can be really detrimental. Um, and then there's people who like, tracking for them just creates stress, which I think we've talked about before too. Like stress is another part of your health and your nutrition. And if you're stressed out over counting macros, like you're not healthy. Like that is not part of what macros is was technically about. Um, and so for a lot of people, it creates more stress and anxiety. And for me, that's just not worth it. We can find different habits and different ways to change your diet and your lifestyle that have nothing to do with you counting. Yeah. Um, and I talked to a lot of other dietitians about this because, you know, when I, when I ever, I I have like this um, like burning thought or idea. I don't like to just put it out there, which is why I feel like sometimes I'm slow to grow a following because I don't just jump and post something. I really think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and something that we all say too, it's like we laughed when all these macro coaches came out because in school to become a dietitian, you learn all the different equations on how to calculate macronutrients. And it never really occurred to a lot of us to be giving it to our clients because we recognized how one, it's not hundred percent perfect, you know, like everyone needs a different macro count and not to mention everyone probably needs a different macro count every day of the week, every day of the year. I was just going to say that I'm like, isn't routine and, uh, that rigid number system, uh, doesn't it do a disservice to your body? Like, isn't your body always adapting? I think to a lot of people, yeah, you know, and I think that that's where intuitive eating comes in. And there's also arguments against intuitive eating. Because I was just going to say that, is that people don't even know what that means. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, I completely agree. I think mm -hmm. it's the mix between the two of finding a diet that works for you, but also trying to learn what that intuitive eating looks like. I'm going to, I'm going to rage really quick. Cause I just had this moment of, I had this very emotional reaction as, as you were talking about that, not to what you were saying, but just about the diet culture in general is really what we're trying to do is cover up what's really the issue is our relationship to food. And so we're trying to find a system and a template that puts some structure around us when in reality, we're like 
the bull in the china shop or with it and so <laughs> I, so i think no matter what you put on it it's never gonna quote unquote work for you and by work i just mean work to where you're, you want to feel satisfied like the ultimate goals people want to feel like they have some sort of control over their health or they're quote unquote doing the right thing and so whether you do this intuitive it's like okay intuitive eating will maybe fix it okay maybe keto will will fix it okay maybe macro counting will fix it I'm here to tell you, it won't until you just go, food is fuel. You start to do those reframes with, with your relationship with food. It comes down to your emotional tie to food. I love that. And I think you said something to me via message today yeah. about like a lot of us are just looking for permission to eat the way we want to eat. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I kind of want to take that and run with it with a few of my blog posts because I think that's so true. Like people, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that you want permission, but at the same time, like think about why you're asking the questions that you're asking. Like even all the questions we got via Instagram today, yeah. like what does that mean? You know, why, why are you so focused on this one aspect you know is it because you want so badly for it to be right for you okay so try it you know like worst case it doesn't work um but one of the biggest analogies that I use and I don't know if I use it on here so I apologize if a repeat but you know people are so like pigeonholed into their diet that they can't see you know what is it like you can't see the trees when you're in the weeds or whatever mm -hmm. but you think about when you trip up or down a set of stairs like what what would you do you would pick yourself up and you'd keep going. You wouldn't throw yourself down the rest of the stairs. I mean, you know, some people laugh and go, oh, I would, but you wouldn't, you know, like yeah. you would just, if you tripped on the sidewalk and you skid your knee, you're not going to then keep trying to trip and skid your knee. You're going to learn from it, pick your feet up and keep walking. And so the same thing has to go with your diet and lifestyle. Like that's obviously like an overgeneralization of it, but you know, like stop. I think most people sabotage themselves and not to mention a lot of like couples and friends sabotage each other's relationship with food too, oh, yeah. which can, is a whole nother topic yeah. to, you know, discuss with clients. Well, I want to, yeah, I want to stop you really quick too, because I felt like that I was jokingly texting you when we were kind of going through all the questions today and I was like, Oh, can we talk about our beverage obsessions? Cause I know you love beverages <laughs> just as much yeah. as I do, which I appreciate so much about you. And then I was like, Oh, and can I drink wine nightly please? And I kind of laughed, but then I was like, you know what, actually, and I was like, well, Margo does it. So it's healthy. Like Margo Alvarez always talks about how she's like, I have a glass of wine every night. And we're like, Oh my gosh, you're a game athlete how do you do that and then I sat back for a minute because I was like really what I'm looking for with all of this with any of this and I've texted you like throughout the years about stuff is like I'm just looking for someone to give me permission to be like yeah do it because it's and I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it without permission but it's just so funny how we all are like just looking for permission to what eat that piece of cake or drink that glass of wine when in reality that's the issue itself is that we feel like we have to get someone to like bless us oh lord to like do the like eat the cake or whatever totally and like there was a study done where um i don't know if it was like a research study if it was just purely just like a interview type study but in um i think they asked people in the u.s and then in france like what do you think of when you hear the word chocolate cake so what are some words you guys would say around the word chocolate cake? Oh, decadent, delicious. Birthday. <laughs> so that's exactly what the the French would say. Yes. Like very positive things around chocolate cake. <laughs> cake. If you were to ask the average American, they would say guilty pleasure. They would say like, right. you know, something negative about it. She, exactly. Ugh. Like something that is so negative. And that's why I think it becomes such an unhealthy relationship. And we feel like we have to eat all the cake, not just a piece of cake, because it's so in, it's indulgent in a negative manner. And we feel so guilty that it's kind of like you have the efforts like, right, I already ate a bite of it and might as well eat the rest of the cake. And it's just so sad that our relationship with food is so out of whack. I don't think people really realize the importance of just letting yourself eat what you feel like eating and listening to your body. Again, that's a very vague statement. I understand that. So I'm not trying to just say that's an easy thing to do, but with time and practice and paying attention to your body, that if you even feel the slightest bit of restriction or saying, I can't eat that or putting those rules on food, um, you're immediately setting yourself up for, uh, 
whether you want to call it binging or overeating or, you know, feeling guilty after you eat something. Um, and so I think that's an important distinction to, to think about is like, how are you going into it? Because if you're constantly restricting yourself, like my, I remember when I was doing, um, macro counting at first, I, I just felt so restricted to where you do get into that feeling of you just want to binge. And if you're not there and you're just kind of enjoying life and enjoying the finer things of life, um, and foods that you want, it's, it's amazing. I never thought I'd get to that place where I'm like, I truly am not feeling like I'm limiting myself. Therefore, I never have that feeling of being like, I just want to stuff my whole face in a cake. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, yeah, it's crazy, but it's an individual thing. I certainly don't want to simplify it like that, but I just, I just want to make that point to people that to really think about that. Yeah, because I think also the hardest, like the thing that it comes back to is, and we get messages from people about this all the time, and maybe we can kind of talk about this next, but, you know, when you hear intuitive eating or when you hear like, just eat what you want or just eat what feels good, for a lot of people, they have never known a life where eating what they want and eating what feels good, quote unquote, feels good is synonymous with a healthy lifestyle. And for them, oh, you know, just eat intuitively, eat what you want does mean eat the whole chocolate cake. Yeah. And, you know, in that instance, I do feel like people should, if they have the means to, is to work with a therapist or work with someone who can, um, like a eating disorder therapist who can walk through that. There are ways to work through that. And it does take time and a lot of patience, but it's possible. Definitely. And I think someone also asked about, which this is a totally sensitive subject, um, but it's about the like health at every size mentality. Um, uh, Do you want to pull that up? um, Let me look. And actually, I don't know if anyone follows, I think Marie Spano, she is a sports dietitian and she's someone who she, no, she's the definition of a rebel. She will post whatever she wants, which I think sometimes that comes across. Marie Spano, she's a dietitian. And sometimes I feel like it does come off a little too harsh. Um, But this question was, what do you think about the health at every size? movement, fat positivity and activists. So obviously very sensitive subject, but to me, you know, if someone is obese, obviously there are clinical reasons for why they are not healthy. And there's probably something internal that is also not okay. Um, You know, obviously you can't look at somebody and know that they have, you know, labs that are out of whack or they have high blood pressure or, you know, whatever it might be. But science shows that being obese is not healthy. Um, and it leads to what's called metabolic syndrome X. Um, and it's a whole slew of problems that come along with it, which basically has long-term effects on um, health and morbidity. So I don't want to shame anyone because I also, I love the whole body positivity movement and I wish that there was more but of I it. Don't think, I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive. Like I see, I hear that, but I feel like people are tying it to something that's completely they're a little bit separate. Like it's fine to feel comfortable with your body, but at the same time, it's like, and go to the doctor. And when you have a health issue, you should address it. Like, why are we tying that together? I think the biggest thing for me when it comes to body positivity and like, you know, health at every size is sort of like, listen, exactly to your point, Laura, like you can't look at someone and know what their health markers are. Exactly. And therefore, unless you are literally that person's doctor, it is none of your business. Exactly. I agree. You know, and so I think for me, that's more where it comes in. It's like, if somebody is, I I feel like people who take issue with body positivity and and health at every size and fat positivity and, you know, whatever you want to call that, um, are the types of people who feel like they don't have permission to love their body every size and therefore they get upset when they see other people doing it. Absolutely. Mm. Or they're like, oh, that, I'm trying to think of the word. Like someone recently, there was like a magazine cover that was like a huge uproar because she was uh, a plus size model and I can't remember the name. But yes, um, I think you know that's what I'm the one talking that about. Talked yes, about. Yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And it was so I was so pissed because I, it was that same thing where it's like you can't look at someone because I mean this is like the perfect example of like we are all different. You cannot judge our outsides um, and what's going on in our insides. It's like you can have so many different body types and shapes and sizes and they could have completely fine health, but you're judging someone's size because the majority of the, of the issues that we hear about, which, you know, that's the problem in and of itself is like, we're just going off of what we hear about. We don't hear the whole stories. We're not doctors is that we're just saying that person's unhealthy because they look a certain way, because that's what we're like trained to see. It's so well, stupid. And on the flip side, 
you can't look at somebody who quote unquote looks healthy and just assume that they're healthy. Like I, that's kind of why I feel like, listen, it's just none of your business. If I agree. you know, yeah. someone, people are going to look the way they're going to look for a variety of reasons. They're going to weigh the amount they're going to weigh for a variety of reasons. And there's probably some obese people out there who's, who are significantly healthier than some other people who are not obese and, you know, vice versa. And I mean, I always just like to think of myself as an example. Like I have always been petite and yet there are, have been a lot of times in my life where I was super unhealthy and just for lack of knowledge and like lack of liking to work out and loving cheese, even though I'm lactose intolerant, like, you know, decisions where I'm like, if I kept doing this for another 10 years, I would be in trouble. Right. And that's something I talk to my clients about too, is like when you're, a lot of them come to me and they're so guarded in the beginning and then eventually we break down some barriers. But first off, they think I'm going to judge them. I wrote a whole post about that. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is judge you because we're not going to get anywhere if I sit here and judge you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's not my place. My place is to clinically evaluate you and analyze you and give you tools to get better where you want to go. And I normally tell them like, stop. Most of them have that comparison idea of like, they want to look like so-and-so, or they wish they were more like this person or that person, or they wish they were like their husband or their wife. Um, And I'm like, yeah, but we all have shit. Like we all have problems. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter, you know, some of us are are just immune to them. So we just don't care or it's just not, it's not bad enough to seek help yet. But to, to think that you're the only person that has issues like with maybe it's body image, but also health. Like I can't tell you how many people have digestive issues one way or the other. Like uh, people aren't going to talk about that because who wants to talk about their bowel movements at the dinner table? Like, yeah, I might, because that's like my job and what I do, but like the average person doesn't want to have that conversation and that's okay. Or I'll just text you. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine. Like I love getting those. That sounds weird, but like I love helping people with that situation. No, but it's, I'm not I'm kidding, not. listeners. I've totally texted Laura because I was like, I need some help. Yeah, but like that's just it like you look at all these people and you know I know so many people in my gym who they look the picture of health but they have issues and what the biggest issue I find with those people who quote-unquote look healthy is that they almost have more struggles because they go to their doctor and their doctor just completely ignores them Mm -hmm. and because they just they look the part right and the doctor doesn't have time for that and then you probably have the other people who actually don't look the part but are healthy internally so exactly that like you can't judge a book by their cover I don't want to sit here and say, you know, I want to promote someone who is incredibly underweight or overweight. But at the same time, I agree, like, it's not our space to judge them. And that's where practitioners come in handy. And normally, it's a team of practitioners, too. Like, I'm not the only source for helping people with relationship to food. Like, Joy, you know, like, people need therapy as well. Oh, yeah, you need a whole treatment team. So, I mean, you know, yeah, that's, so that's, it's not a yes or no. I agree. I disagree. It's just more of a, exactly. I think what Claire said, like, it's not my place to judge. It's mm-hmm. not my place to hate on you or to love on you because you're doing it. It's, you know, accept yourself for who you are and where you're at. And if you need a change because you are not in a healthy space or you're not at your optimal health, then seek help. And, you know, I just had a client today and she was talking about how she can't believe how good she feels. And she's like, I wish I had come to you years ago. And she's like, but I just, I wasn't ready. And I was like, it's fine. We wouldn't have worked a few years ago because you weren't ready. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can't sit there and be mad at yourself for not changing something five years ago when you, you weren't in a space to do it. I cannot agree more. So everyone listening who feels like they're, you're like, oh, I just can't do it. There's no hope. I trust me that the, when the right time is, you're ready for it, it will happen and you'll make changes. And it just takes a lot of patience. Um, you talked a little bit about, because it came up as you were kind of talking about like what you coach on with people and because the diet, um, or just, I mean, I guess the nutrition, world changes so much. Is there anything you see that we're doing now or that the fitness and exercise world is doing now that you feel like is going to go away or is going to be kind of like a fad? (laughs) Um, Plenty. Um, I've seen, I see a few fads that are I call them like cyclical fads where Mm -hmm. they've been around before and now they're back again. And I guess I've been in the profession long enough that it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a few. So the, the three that I would say come across my, I don't know if it's social media or my actual life are keto, intermittent fasting and veganism. Okay. 
all of which that at some point I thought they were dead and di- dying, um, but they seem to be like a nasty weed that just won't go away. So here's the thing. All of them work for certain people at certain times. However, all of them, to me, are not sustainable in the long term, which if you look at health or what I believe is health and balance is a diet and lifestyle that is sustainable to get you as healthy as possible for as long as possible, which is what sustainability is. Um, and I want you to say so, that again so listeners hear it. <laughs> as um, healthy as possible, oh. just as healthy as possible for as long as possible, because that is the key is like, could you do this for the rest of your life? Exactly. And in in nutrition school, like you learn about therapeutic diets. And so I would argue that all three of these could be, uh, I don't really want to say vegan is a therapeutic diet, but you could argue that any of these are therapeutic diets. Therapeutic Um, diets would be, yeah, go ahead. And what that means is that it's used for a clinical reason for the short term. It is not meant to be long-term. It is meant to fix an underlying issue of something else going on, and then it's meant to be transitioned away from. Got it. Um, Now, there probably are some people who long-term could intermittent fast and long-term could keto, but not in the way that we're currently doing it. Like, we, it's like we see something on social media, and then we just jump on it, and it's like... Right. And we're like, I have to, I'm doing this now because so-and-so looks amazing. So I'm going to do it. And then we do it completely wrong because we're unwilling to find the correct information for ourselves. Um, and then we wonder why it's not working for us. We get angry and then we blame something other than the actual fact that we shouldn't have been on this diet to begin with. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy to go into any of those, but that's like, those are the three that I'm currently seeing that just boil my blood because I you know, I, I was even, I was just at an expo event and there was a lot of plant-based talk and there's a lot of benefit to be eating fruits and vegetables. I am not going to disagree with that, but I think that a vegan diet is unfortunately just not complete. Now, do some people feel better by not eating meat? Sure. I, I, I'm not going to tell you or force you ever to eat something that doesn't feel good to you. However, I feel like to be promoting it to people when you have no um, education behind it, that's where I have a problem. And I know dietitians who are vegan and they do, they promote it correctly. Once again, it's not something I agree with. It's not something I will ever encourage a client to be. Um, but I think that there's a way in which we can ensure that if you are vegan, we can make sure that you're getting enough nutrition. And I had this discussion with someone in my gym who's vegan and I said, I will never, I'm working with her and I was like, I will never convince you not to be a vegan, but I will help you get, you know, as optimally healthy as I can. Just know that it may never be the most optimal that I believe it can be because of what you choose. But I'm never going to, because you have other beliefs, I'm never going to sit there and tell you you're wrong. Like, that's not my place. I'm not allowed to judge you. However, I can educate you as much as I know, and we can take it from there. And she was totally fine with it, and we've had a lot of success. So, you know, I'm always hoping that maybe if I convince some people, like if I give them an inch, they'll take a little bit more and a little Mm -hmm. bit more. But um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's a tangent for another day, I'm sure. But um, Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about that someday because I really want to ask you about, like, what you don't love about veganism. But I think that's just way too long of a topic. But really quick, something else that came up as you were talking was, like, why – do we want, if we're just already healthy, why do any of this shit? Like, why do intermittent fasting? Why do keto diet? Why, like, if we're just already healthy, why do we fall into these traps? I think that we believe that there's still another level. Um, um, I will absolutely agree with you there. Like, we like just want to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Right. Like, like people want to go just RX have... and RX yes. plus, you know? like, like and sometimes RX it's like... everything. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, that's just, you know, and I, I'm not perfect. Like, you know, that's something I explain to people too. Like I've been there, I've done paleo, I've done some fasting, I've done, I've tried a lot of things and I'm most comfortable just eating what feels right. And like, I feel like I have success there and I'm lucky. I feel that I'm lucky that I'm able to do that. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, I know how to count macros. I know how to track it, but it is the most stressful thing for me to do it for myself that I, you will never see me there. So I'll probably never be this like uber lean CrossFitter. And I, I have no intention to be. I don't 
I don't, you know, you look at a lot of those CrossFitters and the reason that they are so lean is because they're taking extreme measures for extreme results. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's their choice. That's their life goal. But for the majority of us, we are not looking for extreme results. We are looking just for long-term health. And so and you just don't need because, Yeah, we don't need, we don't need them. And just because we might be able to do it doesn't mean we should something to be said for like, like like that glass of wine, you know, like I was gone all weekend and my friends were like, do you want to go out to dinner and have a drink? And I was like, heck yeah. Like I haven't seen my friends in a week and like they bring such joy. And I think that joy is part of health. Yeah. Obviously that's a good name. Right. But like, I just feel like there's just something to that. Like me being happy and laughing and being in that environment, like there is more to food than just the macros of it. And I don't know. It's, it's I think one of those we really where... need to like hit that home. There's so many good points that you're saying that I'm just like, oh, this is so great for people to hear. Because again, it goes back to like, just because I could do three Murphs in a day with a vest on, I probably could <laughs> do it. Like I probably could. Doesn't mean I should, you know, it's like, sounds this... like something my husband would try. But like, but yes, just right. because you could, or people, I mean, no offense to people who are doing those like crazy 24 hour workouts, like you know, overnight running in the dark. That's fine and all. It's just like, but just because you could do it doesn't mean you really should do it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, Joy, that, that's how I feel about you running the New York City Marathon. That's fine. Like, that's, that is absolutely something where I'm like, that is way more than like, you know, stupidity. I just like at 41, no, I'm trying no, to prove a point. I know, I'm just giving you crap. But like, it's just so silly how they're pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and trying all these new things. It's like, can't we just go out and have fun with our friends and have wine? And I think like when, when you asked that question, the first thing that I thought was like, well, I am always trying new things because I'm just curious. Like I'm curious to see what is this going to be like? What is this going to feel like? And I think I am a rare breed of person who can truly kind of try things on for size and then just move on with my life when it comes to my diet and, you know, somewhat when it comes to exercise. But I think it's, you know, there are some people out there who are like, I want to do the overnight Ragnar race just to like see if I can do it and just see what it feels like and see how it goes. And there are some people out there also who are like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try being vegan for a month and just see how I feel and gain, get that information. And if I really do start pooping solid gold, then like I'm going to stay <laughs> vegan. But when that inevitably doesn't happen, I can like learn from the things that, you know, learn from those moments and kind of just like move on with my life. So I think that that totally nails on the head, like what I was trying to explain with my macro posts that I wrote. Mm -hmm. And it's like this whole concept of macroing harder. And I think yes. that if people could try macros like you, Claire, and just like come right off of it when they realize it wasn't working, that would be ideal. The problem is, is like, because I think I don't, I don't know if it's their coaches or the their trainers or the so, or the social media, but social media um, is basically telling them that they're not doing good enough. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like that's the same way with you could take it with anything. Like, hey, you know, you did this marathon, but marathon harder and then right. it would be better. Like get a better it, time. Yeah. Right. And for some people, that's a lifestyle. They love it. Sure. Running just like calls to them. And yeah, some people absolutely. love the games. And so for that, it's different. And I work with a lot of athletes and, you know, it's fun to to fuel them because they have a different type of motivation. Um, but you know, you can't, you can't macro harder. You can't vegan harder. You can't paleo harder. Like that's not right. how any of this works. Well, I think, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the problem too is that there's too many options. We are faced with way too many options. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm the, I will be the first to admit, like I love working out. It's really, really fun. I enjoy it. I love moving my body. I've always been active. However, it can turn to a point where like, wait a minute, but more, you know, if some is good, more is better. And I fell into that trap. And then I realized, oh, that's actually horrible for my body. So I think that we need to learn on our own time. But I think I just want to really, you know, stress to people that, and I mean, even get your input of like, don't we have too many options. And I think it's just kind of mudding the waters where really, what you're doing and trying to coach with people is like the basics. And this is what we're always going to have to come back to. Yeah. And it's funny. I think we may have, I don't know if we just personally talked about it, or if we put it on a podcast about mm -hmm. just like, sitting down and chewing your food. Like, I can't tell you how many clients I tell that to. And I, the client I had today, she was so cool. She was like, I can't believe, like, my children, I recognize, I couldn't recognize it in myself, but 
you told me to sit down and chew and I watched all of my kids eat standing up while on their phones distracted. And she was like, I all of a sudden realized where did they learn that behavior from me? And, you know, it's like little things like that that have nothing to do with a label. It's just purely like the environment in which you're eating your food. Sometimes that's all I coach people on. And it, it sounds ridiculous, but I think that some of these um, coaches who don't have a, a lot of education or experience around nutrition and diet, they feel like they have to give all this information and they feel like they have to do 500 things to this for this client. And sometimes it's really, it's, it's two simple things. And those simple things we then build upon. And then we get two more things. And then we just keep building until we get the person transitioned to a life of health and sustainability. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, it's just like I said, like the more educated you become, I think sometimes the more you realize what you don't know. Um, and the biggest thing that we were taught, I won't ever forget this, day one of our internship, we were told do no harm. And so I'm very careful in what I say and what I do and what I post about myself sometimes. Cause I'm like, I that's my, my biggest fear around a, being a dietitian is doing harm, is having someone come back to me in 10 years and telling me that they developed an eating disorder because mm. they worked with me. And yeah. I think so um, few people think of it that way, unfortunately, like the people out there who are like, well, I lost, you know, I got down to 8% body fat. I'm going to help all my friends do it. It's like, you have no idea what the long-term effects of your advice, your quote-unquote coaching is going right. to be. And I believe that, you know, a lot of a lot of these coaches and trainers, they come from a good space. So I I don't want to hate on them. I do believe that most of them are doing this because they want to help others. Um, I just feel like because they don't recognize that, you know, their tiny ripples can have a huge ripple effect on not just only the person's waist size, but also their entire health and relationship to food. It's, it's really detrimental. And so if that's something that if you're someone who's listening, who's a health coach, like I'm not trying to deter you from helping others, but just recognize like where your scope of practice ends. Ends, and believe me, it ends very soon when it relates to food. Mm-hmm. So what are a couple of tips that you would say are maybe like the top three to five things that you find yourself telling most of your clients regardless of what food they're eating? Um, a lot of it is stress management. To your food. You know, I remember you told me that, Laura. Yeah. That actually yeah, has been you. really helpful where you're like slow your roll and chew yeah. your food and be mindful of the environment that you're in. And at first I was like, oh, that's so annoying. But I, do, <laughs> I did it and it actually really helps. It really helps. Good. And it's true. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I tell to chew their food or like put your fork down between bites or mm-hmm. even if it's a sandwich, put it down. Mm-hmm. I have trouble with that. You know, I come back to that all the time when I feel like, oh my God, my stomach is not okay. Why is it not okay? Oh, because I'm shoving food in my mouth like I'm an unsupervised child at a birthday party, you know, like not okay. Um, so that one, I would say stress management is a huge one. So I always tell people to rank their stress on a scale of one to 10, one being none at all, 10 being the worst in their life. Um, figure out what it is on average and then figure out what the top three stressors are. And if you can't do anything about them, then we have an issue. You know, if it's that stress, the work stress is so bad that nothing will help it. You know, unfortunately you may need to just quit that job. Um, if if it's financial, like maybe you need to go talk to someone about budgeting. If it's food prep, maybe you need to go get someone to prep your food. Like thinking about what those stressors are and how you can manage them is huge. Um, you know, drinking water. I know it's like so lame, but so many of us just are like, we don't want to drink plain water. So if you don't want to drink plain water, then find something to do about it. Maybe it's getting sparkling water. Maybe it's putting a lemon in your water. I even saw someone at the gym the other day have like blueberries in their water, you know, whatever it takes to get you to get hydrated. It can make all the difference. Do you That's, feel like it's, what is, how much water should we, we be drinking? Because then all of a sudden I hear so people dependent. being like, oh, only drink when you're thirsty. And I'm like, I don't know how much water I need. And then other people are like, if you feel thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't believe that. Um, <laughs> I don't believe either side of that. I also don't believe that you need a gallon of water a day. Um, I mean, if you want to look like a total bro, I recommend doing that. It'll definitely bump your bro points, but like, it's not necessarily going to help your hydration. Um, it's honest. It's so dependent. I tell people you can start with the rule of thumb of half your body weight in ounces, um, but know that it's that's not the correct amount for you. It's probably just like going to get you in the ballpark of, oh, this is too much or this is not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to mention athletes, especially when it's been 95 degrees out for infinity months, um, we also need to make sure that we are getting enough electrolytes. Um, And athletes, when I use the word athlete, 
I said this at the expo I was at recently and a girl was like, you're so nice to call me an athlete. I just exercise. And I'm like, no, but I consider if you're someone who get, gets up and moves your body and has intentions to be fit, like you're an athlete. You are someone who needs to fuel not only your life, but also your activity. So electrolytes, and that can be an easy as like, if you're someone who eats a relatively healthy real food diet, you need to salt your food. Does not mean you should need to dump salt on it. It just means make sure that you have salt. Um, I have athletes who literally will just like sprinkle salt into their post-workout drink because they're just heavy sweaters and you cannot absorb water without salt. So that's a tip too. Um, you know, there are electrolyte replacements, which I use with my athletes who sweat a lot and who work out more than an hour. Um, things like noon are pretty good for that. But oh, you don't yeah. need, you don't need that per se if you're someone who's not sweating often or you're not moving often. But if you're someone who's a heavy sweater, like, and this time of year, all I do is sweat. So I notice if I'm not replacing electrolytes. I was going to say the last one is sleep. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And I'm, this is probably my biggest weakness is sleep um, because I just, there's so much that I want to do and I run my own business. So of course there's 5 million things I could do every second of every day. Sure. Um, but, you know, get to bed and don't feel guilty about it. I think we all put guilt around it that, oh my God, I should stay up because I have to do the laundry. The laundry will be there when you wake up. I have to, I have to send an email. You'll send an email in the morning. Like there's just, there's no reason not to get to bed. I will say that that has been probably the best thing that I've gotten from when I quit my job at the beginning of the year. And I don't know if I'm, if this happens to all moms, but I've talked about it before. And some people are like, no, this is real where you end up with like sleep deprivation, stress disorder, <laughs> where you are panicked at all times that if you're not sleeping, when you have the opportunity to do so, that you may never get the chance to sleep again. Mm. Oh, I believe I, that. Well, because like the first couple months, you're like, at any moment, my sleep could be disrupted. Mm-hmm. And so the the best thing, it's so like that lingering stress about needing to sleep at all times combined with leave, losing the stress, like, because I was in the situation you're talking about, Laura, where it was like the, the stress at work is so intense and I can't, it can't be changed. I just have to leave. Mm-hmm. And just allowing myself to go to sleep when I'm tired has been unbelievable. And this should not be like a revelation, but I feel like if this is a revelation on par with allowing yourself to eat when you're hungry or not eat if you're not hungry. Mm-hmm. Totally. Cause it's like, like a competition, right? Like yes. I only got six hours of sleep last night. Like I, whenever I don't sleep enough, I'm not proud of it. I don't want to share no. that with anyone. <laughs> like, and yeah, I even started telling, like, yeah, yeah I, I even started telling athletes, like I don't, when I was, when I coach, like I don't let myself work out if I got less than six hours of sleep. That is my hard and fast rule that I started as, you know, when I was a new mom and it was like, I know that for me and for the vast majority of people, you are doing more harm than good at that point. But I think that it's just crazy between sleep and hunger. We get so out of tune with our body's instincts and our body's cues because we're just so programmed to override them. Definitely. And I think with social media, it's just so much harder to get to bed. <laughs> I, I do um, want to totally. encourage people. I recently posted about this, but we do a um, a group at, at my office at the behavioral in behavioral health um, for um, insomnia, and so it's called CBTI, and it's cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Highly recommend if you are struggling with insomnia that you look up this curriculum and or find. Um, either an online course or a place in your area that teaches it because uh, it is actually one of the proven long-lasting cures for insomnia and it's really helpful so just a little plug for that to go along with your sleep yeah it's great can we finish up because we are so like out of time but we have so many questions is as best as we can do like a rapid fire with some sure. of these questions from our listeners yeah some of them um, are good and quick. yes some of them yeah some of them are a little longer but some are cute and short <laughs> um good cooking oils versus bad cooking oils where do you stand on that um i hate the word good and bad as, as it relates to food okay. but i would say there's better and best okay. um and some that just you can eliminate completely something you want to look for is if it has a high smoke point um it means that you can cook at a higher temperature so mm-hmm. something like avocado oil is going to be better at higher temperatures than olive oil um you also want to make sure that if you're buying oils they come in a dark um preferably glass container because that means that they're probably going to be more stable than not um and those plastic clear bottles you're already getting rancid oil 
Ew. So, okay. yeah, <laughs> sad um, but true. Yeah, and then someone says, is keto safe long-term? Now, I, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, how you're like, it's a prescriptive um, diet to where, so, would you recommend it long-term? A lot of people no. are real into it. So it's a therapeutic diet. It's really great for, they found for cancer patients. So if it's someone dealing with cancer, it depends what long-term is, right? Mm -hmm. Are you dealing with it for a year or three years? Mm -hmm. um, but for the average person, I I don't like the word safe. I don't think that it's unsafe per se, um, but I just don't think it's sustainable or responsible for okay. the average person to do long-term. Okay. Uh, is it really calories in versus calories out for weight loss? Um, yes, tech, like at the at like a very general view, but no, because we just don't know. Everyone's different, and so calories in also have to mean what you can digest and absorb, um, and calories out is also very dependent on the person and their size, their weight, their activity, their heart rate. So no. I would say, generally speaking, yes, if, like, you're looking at a very, like, bird's eye view, but if you look at the actual trying to, to help somebody, it's not that simple. I wouldn't have a job if it were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tips, and and let me just say, people listening, all the listeners, is like, I can't tell you how many follow-up questions I have for all of your follow-up, all of these questions, but we're just going to have to do some more episodes to expand because these are all such good questions, but we're just trying to answer as many of your questions as we can in this episode. Uh, Carly asks tips for transitioning away from processed foods. Um, oh, there's a few. So I was just having a discussion with someone about this. Like at, I was at Expo East, which is this huge like food show, which is amazing. It looked by really the way. fun, by the way. What oh, were God. those amazing waffles that you posted? Oh, I want them immediately, if not sooner. So they're not available nationwide yet. Ugh. They're called Swapples. And so if you guys can follow them on social media and start getting them, like, just hounding people for them, they're yes. made of yucca root, and there's, Ugh. like, nothing bad in them, and they taste amazing. Um, so that is probably my biggest tip is, like, maybe just start looking for better processed food. If you're someone who relies <laughs> on processed food. Just eat Swapples. <laughs> yeah, swap it, right? And that's, I think, where their name came from. They yeah. decided to, like, swap something in that was a little healthier. And I think that's such a cool concept concept of like, you know, I think that there's probably dietitians and health coaches out there who have this, I hate to call it like an elitist view, but they almost are like, okay, we'll just eat real food. It's not that easy for a lot of people because they work a nine to five and nine to five, we all knew, know means far more than that. They have mm -hmm. kids, they have a mortgage, they have five other things to do. And so convenience food became a thing because it was necessary. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the cool thing about being at Expo East is seeing all the quote unquote processed foods that have so much less ingredients and better ingredients in them um, than the typical uh Ego waffle, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say that's one tip is like start looking for that good food. I'm going to start posting a lot of what I found at Expo East. Um, I kind of was very overwhelmed when I got home and I just have 5 million packages of food on my table. Yeah. Um, that's one. And then two, like just start adding one thing. Like don't think of it as a huge overhaul, but maybe for someone who never touches vegetable, find a vegetable of the week and be like, hey, I found broccoli on sale at the store. Cool. Let's look for a recipe and make it. Don't worry about eating five vegetables a day. We'll get there. Try one thing, um, you know, and then just start maybe purging. I hate that word. I don't know why I use that. But, like, start getting food out of the house that is not going to help you reach your goals, you know. And, you know, if you feel that you can't throw it away, donate it to a food pantry. A lot of them are looking for food. Um, so I think that's another one. It's don't have that temptation there. I tell a lot of people, like, if you're someone who can't just eat a scoop of ice cream, then make getting ice cream an event instead and go with the whole family and go get a scoop of ice cream at the local store mm -hmm. and don't keep it in the house. Because, you know, if you're someone who just can't, if you know the ice cream's there and you can't focus on anything else but the ice cream, then you're just sabotaging yourself. Yes, um, and there's so. nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I think in the past I had this view of like, um, oh, you're just, you know, kind of putting a good and bad label on food if you have it in the house and you're like, oh, don't buy it. And I'm like, well, why don't, why don't you buy it? You can have it in the house. But it really is something that has helped me just to kind of like detach myself from like this emotional battle where I'm like, if I have a bag of trail mix in the house, like it's dangerous. And it's like, I just, it's fine that I eat it, but I know myself where it's that food with no breaks, quoting Melissa Hartwig, is it just, 
I know that it sends me down a spiral, then I feel like crap. And I don't want to feel like crap. So there's really nothing wrong with people noticing and, and recognizing that about themselves. Totally. You don't have to feel like a failure. It's just like, we all have those foods where it's like, uh, game oh, 100%. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so that's actually interesting. And I'll try not to make this too long. But yeah. if you guys ever follow Gretchen Rubin, she has a whole... Oh, yeah. um, thing about habits mm-hmm. and this is very anecdotal from what I've seen with all of my clients over the years but she has this concept of abstainers and moderators oh yeah um, a lot of our listeners can... are down with the Gretchen Rubin we oh, cool. always hear them talking about whether or not they're abstainers or obligers or all those yeah so anecdotally I've seen that a lot of clients they're in a relationship with someone who is the opposite of them Um, And I can't, I cannot say this is scientifically sound, but I just see it more than not, is that an abstainer will be married or in a relationship with a moderator, and they sabotage one another. Because if you think about it, right, you're doing the exact thing that the other person can't handle. So for someone, let's use ice cream as the example today. I have nothing against ice cream. I love it. So, you know, say that I can't, If it's in the house, I will eat all of it. Whereas if it's in the house, my husband will just have it every once in a while. And he likes that option. Otherwise, when when he sees ice cream out, he's going to want all the ice cream. So by having it in the house, it's sabotaging me, but not him. And by not having it in the house, it's sabotaging uh, him and not me. So we have to now come to, we have to talk about it in a relationship. Like food sometimes needs to be a conversation of this works for me, this doesn't work for me. And how can we make this work together? And there's Mm -hmm. no right answer. That's a really important point that I've never really thought about, but it makes so much sense. It does because like you think about it, like most of the food you have is kept in your home. I mean, unless you eat out all the time, but is, you know, by my husband having X, Y, and Z in the house, is that conducive (sighs) to me being- That's so true because sometimes we'll be like, why'd you buy that? I don't want this in the house. I'm going to have to like, ah. He's like, "Uh, I just like, I like like cereal. I'm like, but you can't have it here. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of tips and tricks that I use with people, but it's uh, having that conversation and, you know, hey, this is a trigger. This is something that doesn't doesn't make me feel good when yes, I do it and right. I don't have any control over it and it's okay that I don't have control over it but I'm just, it's just like I just, you know. yeah I just know this about myself yeah 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 so that's a big one as far as like dealing with you know your relationship with food in a relationship it's not oh, always easy. <laughs> layers upon layers okay really quick let's do like two more um truly do you feel because we talked about intermittent fasting being a, a fad earlier and one of the fads you've seen come and go uh, do you feel that it's okay for active women to do? I've heard a lot of arguments, especially on the Paleo Women or now the Well-Fed Women podcast, where they're like not good for women. So I think it just depends how the fasting is done. Um, if you're someone who uses a fast, and this is something that I do, and it's not really intentional, it's just how I feel. Um, like I will eat dinner at 8 p.m. and I won't eat breakfast until 10 a.m. And that's a good 14 hours of not eating. And I don't feel good eating the first thing in the morning. And to me, that's the type of fasting that I see work with active females. I do not think that, you know, intentionally not eating for 16 hours because you were told to do so is healthy. If you're hungry, just eat. Like, I know it's simple and it's not, it sounds simple, but it's not. But um, no, I don't, I believe that intermittent fasting is normally approach wrong. Um, and then, you know, a lot of what happens is you, you lower your window of eating. And so then you just binge within that window. And if you find that that's you, that's also creating a bad relationship with food. And you may then eat foods that are less than desirable, which is not going to support health. Mm -hmm. So I think it truly depends. I think it works for the very small few females out there. Um, but it, it's possible, but if you're, it depends what active means too, right? I don't know what active means. Does it mean that you walk every day or does it mean that you hit the gym for two hours? Like, I think if you're hitting the gym for two hours, intermittent fasting is not really going to work for you. Yeah. So that totally depends. Yeah. And I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, why would you do it? You know, if you're, if I never, if I never fast in my life, uh, I think I'll be okay. Totally. And like, here's the other thing. Like you can think back to a, probably a handful of times or more in your life that you've fasted unintentionally. Unintentionally, right. And I think that, I mean, if you think about fasting, that's where it became a thing. It became a thing because it was a religious tradition to fast. Right. And it was never meant to be a 
diet. It was meant to just be like, hey, this one week out of the year, we're going to fast. And, you know, everyone who's listening can probably think about a time they fasted unintentionally. Um, but, you know, if it becomes one of those things where it's unintentionally happening all the time, then we need to maybe sit back and think, like, why is this happening? You yeah. know, is it because I'm so stressed at work that I can't stomach any food? That's a problem. Is it because I didn't plan ahead and I have no food available to me? That's a problem. Like, you know, is it because my trainer told me to do it? That's a problem. Like, you know, there's all these different problems. Like, why are you actually doing it? And yeah. is it actually, does it feel good? And does it support your goals? Yeah. Okay. I like it. I, I, I had this vision too, as you were talking of like Claire's mentioned, like in the buckets, or I think that was a Cherie Chan thing. It was like, what are you filling your bucket with? Are you keeping, you know, are you keeping a variety of things? Do you have um, just like everything put into one bucket or do you feel like you have a, you know, a variety of things in your life that you're filling up with these buckets. If you're so freaking focused on this diet and exercise or just doing one thing one way, I just feel like you're really missing out on a lot of things and it just kind of takes over our lives, but we're inundated with it and we want to be healthy. And the, the, the messages we get always is like, how can you be the fittest and the healthiest and longevity? And, you know, Mark Sisson saying this this week. And then Rob Wolf is saying this this week. It's like, well, we got to listen to what they're saying. Now we got to do what they're saying, you know? <laughs> so it's just, it's just so funny how we kind of fall. I mean, nothing against them. I just feel like we, we tend to just blindly follow what people are saying sometimes. Okay, um, here's a light one. What is your opinion regarding pineapple on pizza? <laughs> I loved this one. I did too. <laughs> um, well, I like how she says at the end, tasty or not. Um, so I feel like this will get me a lot of haters, but I don't mind a Hawaiian pizza. You don't like it or you don't mind it? I don't mind it. I don't mind it either. I quite I, like it. Yeah. I, and I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I like it, but it's not... I don't know. I although I will say that recently our neighbors brought over some extra pizza they had and it was the only type that they had was Hawaiian and I was like, What's that kind of crazy person only orders? Like get <laughs> at least also a cheese or also a pepperoni. That's fair. Yeah, I feel like when we do that we normally oh my god, a dietitian ordering a pizza, I know everyone's about to lose it. But when we order pizza, it's like I either we get a Hawaiian and we get a mushroom pepperoni because oh. my husband doesn't like pepperoni or he doesn't like mushroom but I need it. So you need mushrooms. I need mushrooms in my life. I like the fungus. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think it's, I think it's tasty. It's not like I could, I could take it or leave it. Like if I never had it again, I would be okay. But like, I don't mind it. I think it's yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm a fan as well. <laughs> uh, okay. Last one. I swear. Mm, no, two. Let's do two more. Do we need, gl- <laughs> do we need gluten in our diets? No. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that strong feeling strong feelings either way about taking casein isn't that a protein Um, like a protein powder yes it's a part of the milk protein there's casein and whey okay and casein is the larger molecule so it takes longer to digest and so a lot of people have this whole philosophy that if you take it for and by philosophy i shouldn't say philosophy there is science on it if you take it before bed um it's supposed to promote better sleep um I don't have strong feelings about it. I don't really, I'm not a strong feeling person though. So, <laughs> um, it I guess I depends, am. If something yeah. really irritates me, oh, I'll sure. have strong feelings, but, yeah. um, I think that it can be worked into a healthy diet. I don't think it's necessary for everyone. I don't think that. And I think this with a lot of supplements, I don't think that any of them are their magic pill to create health. I think it could be part of a healthy diet or lifestyle and maybe more beneficial for someone like an athlete who needs that extra protein to help heal and repair their muscles and get them ready for the next day to train. Great. We're getting more questions. Higher fat, lower fat. How do I know what my body functions best on? That's an, that's an, it depends, right? Trial and error. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that the cool thing is, is I hope that we're turning a corner recognizing that low fat, high fat, low carb, high carb is so dependent on the individual that it's, you know, and once again, like it's tough because we're in a melting pot. So we all come from different backgrounds and genetics. And so you may be really good on high fat and the person next to you might be really good on a lower fat diet. And now all of a sudden we're arguing over something that makes no sense to argue about because we're both different human beings. Yeah. Okay, that was a really good rapid fire situation. I feel like we covered a lot. We covered a lot of ground, Laura. I feel very satisfied. Love- yeah. All right. Um, where can all the listeners find you? 
You can find me at thesassydietitian.com. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm working on trying to put more of myself in my Instagram because I think a lot of people don't get my personality. So stay tuned for something that I'm working on. (laughs) And you have a really good Insta stories. Thank you. I, I lo- really enjoy watching your Insta stories. It's one. There's very few people. I have like a handful of people that when they post something, I'm like, oh, I definitely, I know I'm getting some good Insta stories from them. Yours is one of them. I thank you. I appreciate it. My yeah. dog is kind of the star, but I like to also be the side star. Of That's my probably show. why Joy loves it so much. Well, no. one day, <laughs> one day she had one where her dogs just like ran out. I think it was your dog and another dog playing and <laughs> Like, oh my god yep. he like legit just like flipped in the air and her caption was oh, like yes her, her, I saw that that was like a week ago right her, yeah her caption was like didn't see that coming because <laughs> just like whoops catapulted it was so great all right so listeners can find her sassy dietitian please follow her all the good things all the very important information and true information because there's too much crap out there we are trying to bring you really good information for yourself and make the internet less scary around diet and exercise so thank you again laura for being on the show again we're gonna have to have you back because man we got some great questions and this is obviously a very important topic slash topics for us to keep talking about so thanks for having me i love you guys you guys are the best keep doing what you're doing you will bye friends